This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. <laughs> We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. You can do so on Twitter at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. Check out our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report online. Our email address, contact at yourtechreport.com. Welcome to an awesome awesome show we've got lined up for you guys this week on this week's show ex-nhler mike weaver is launching a very cool app to help in the teaching of hockey we're going to talk to mike weaver on this show we're also going to talk to our good friend frank over at dell and alienware all about their complete lineup announced at ces and their fun stuff lined up for this entire year plus our next giveaway this is probably mitchell going to be our biggest giveaway yet but we're not going to tell you about it till we wrap up this week's show with a very cool interview with the company oh here's a hint autel robotics Mitchell, you know, uh, one of the things in the news is an event that's going on throughout the country of Canada, where I live. And the reason yes. this event <laughs> exists is because there's, there's going to be a big shortage of jobs and a big shortage of skills in the tech sector. And we talk about this all the time because we talk to different companies who empower kids. So to talk about these events that are going on, this event in particular called the HTML 500, I want to welcome uh, our next guest, Jeremy Shakey. Is that how I pronounce it, Jeremy? Uh, shacky, but shacky, that's okay. shacky. <laughs> I, I'm never good at this. You know, even if you gave me the pronunciation, he would have messed still, it up, Jeremy. I he still would have mauled it up. Yeah, he would have mauled it. <laughs> Jeremy, you're the co-founder of a company called Lighthouse Labs, and you've created this event called HTML 500. First, give us some some quick background on what Lighthouse Labs does. Sure. So Lighthouse Labs is a coding institution, essentially, where we have a developer boot camp where we train people to become professional web developers and mobile developers in eight weeks. Very intensive, wow. very immersive, 70 hours a week, including time for beginners um, and people who've coded before. Uh, and then we have part-time courses, intro courses for people who are more wanting to get comfortable with code, but definitely not going toward the developer side. And then we help place them into jobs. So 95% placement for all our job seeking wow. grads into the industry immediately with an average salary of $50,000 a year. And um, we do this because, like you mentioned, there is a huge gap in tech skills. Uh, and tech hasn't been necessarily taught traditionally in the way that it maybe it should be. Um, and there's a lot of people who had no idea about this kind of career choice early on. So actually, our demographics are around 27 to 32 years old, people who have a university degree or people who've had a career. Um, and we're trying to help fill that gap of 150,000 plus jobs that Canada is claiming there will be uh, in the IT sector going forward till, you know, by 2020. You know, Jeremy, you just brought up something very interesting. I think people assume now because we're in the age of technology, everyone has a computer in their pocket, in, in essence, with their with their smartphones, all the gadgets, the smart homes, the smart appliances. Everyone probably feels like, oh, this is the age where people should be tech savvy, and we would have people that could code. But you're right. When it comes to schools, schools, schools both in Canada and the U.S. are still quite tradi- traditional in their curriculum. And this is something that is not traditionally taught, but this is a place where you guys can really fill the gap. Absolutely. I mean, Lighthouse Labs is actually doing a project in British Columbia right now where we are teaching all the teachers from grade six to nine how to teach this in their curriculums because the BC government mandated it. Wow. And nobody knew how to teach it yet. And that's one of the bigger challenges is, you know, how do teachers who are not necessarily tech savvy or coding savvy uh, bring this into their curriculums on a more regular basis and prepare people for it um, and prepare kids for it? So I think there's, you know, there's still a long way to go. I think we're much more tech savvy in general, but when it comes to coding and building, tech. Very different story. And, you know, with the growing need of all industries and tech, um, it's something that has to happen kind of sooner rather than later. So, Jeremy, a couple of years ago, you created HTML 500, which is a, is a Canada-wide event going uh, whose goal really is to promote education in tech. So really, it's an extension of your own goal at Lighthouse Labs. Can you tell us about how this event has evolved since it started in 2014? 
Yeah, so the event itself is teaching 500 people in a single day in a single city how to learn to code in a very basic way um, and in a very social and fun way to really reduce the intimidation um, and make sure that everybody understands that coding is for everyone. Uh, you know, it's something that we tend to think of coding for academia or nerds or whatever. And I mean, I'm not saying it's not. I'm a little bit of a nerd myself. Um, <laughs> so are we. Joe. No shame here, Jeremy. So are we. <laughs> That's right. But it is really for everyone and anyone can do it. So, you know, we originally created the event. It was just to reduce the barriers, keep it free, 500 people. It's going to be social and get a lot of the tech industry involved in mentoring and supporting. Um, where it's evolved to is we're now going to nine different cities across the country. Uh, and more so, we're kind of connecting. We're building the larger conversation around, you know, Canada and tech education by being really personal and making sure every individual experience is phenomenal, but also by helping all the people who don't attend see how many people are learning to code across the country and that this is something we need to be talking about more as a, you know, what is the real solution other than events that take one day and have you, you know, create something. And that's that's definitely part of it. The awareness is needed. Yeah. Um, but how do we move that conversation forward is something that we're working really hard to build out of the HTML 500 this year. So this is this is hitting cities across Canada. It starts uh, next uh, Saturday, which is February 18th. Now, in the past, you've seen kids from ages seven years old all the way to adults seventy-five years old. That's that's right. We have everyone. Like this is you know this is the if you ever wanted to see a smorgasbord of human beings learning <laughs> one thing, this is it. It's uh, there's fifty percent women who show up. There's people of all ages, um, and you know in an era and time right now where we're talking about uh, people being excluded from things and uh, you know the general feelings that are coming out in the media and news on a regular basis. I can't think of a better way of talking about tech and coding than to say like an event like this is coding is for everyone. It is open, it is accessible, and it is very easy to learn and is a skill everyone should be having, learning. You know, Jeremy, when, when I asked my earlier question, I talked about the emergence of smartphones and how they've taken over our lives, and that's everyone's basic intro now into technology is probably their device in their pocket. Do you think, though, that it might have had a negative effect? We had so many people that went into coding for mobile phones, developing apps for mobile devices. Do you think that hurt big picture the other side of the web and developing for desktop software? Was it maybe hurt by the evolution of the smartphone? Um, it's a really good question. I don't think so because I think anyone learning to code, it, you know, if people wanted to create apps because they thought they could make some money off it and they said, right. oh, you know what, I should learn how to code, I think no matter what, that's important. I think the conversation really needs to go into how do you keep developers evolving on a regular basis so that they can learn new, new languages and different things because coding evolves. And if you, if you only know how to do mobile on one level and then you become redundant, well, then, yeah, then it's negatively affected. But if it's introducing a lot of people to a lot of different ways of coding, then I think it's fantastic. And let's be honest. Smartphones are something where a lot of the regular community decided, hey, you know what, tech's not so bad in my pocket, and hey, I'm yeah. interested in how this stuff gets built. Yeah. Jeremy, can you promote, tell me, it starts in Toronto, I'm assuming, uh, on the 18th. Um, the events are free, correct? The events are all free. Uh, we have a lottery system going. So Toronto on February 18th is actually, uh, the lottery's already been done, and we're giving out tickets. We've given out all the tickets. There's a huge wait list. We had over 2,000 people sign up for the event. Um, across the country right now, we're about 7,000 people strong in signing up for these events. Uh, but Toronto's the only one where the tickets are locked up. So if you're in any of the other cities, um, you can definitely go and register, and it's all lottery, so it doesn't matter about first come, first serve. Uh, we do it all on one day. And what is the website for people to go uh, go sign up? Uh, www.thehml500.com Still to come, a very cool giveaway. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this one. Plus, we speak to Dell and Alienware all about their product lineup and a very cool interview with ex-NHLer Mike Weaver. Follow along with us. We are at Your Tech Report on Twitter. We are back in a moment. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Marco Flalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report online. And of course, Mitchell, our email address is contact at YourTechReport.com. As you know, I'm glad you give all that stuff out, because sometimes I forget too, Mark. I'm at that age where I start to forget my own information, so it helps me too. Now, this this next interview is kind of special to us, and you know, although we're a media outlet and we try and treat all companies fairly and present all the different new products out there, Mark, we're also human beings. We can't help it. There are some products, some companies that we would consider our favorites, correct? I mean, again, we, we stay neutral as much as we can, but there are some companies and products that we kind of call our favorites, we right? We can't help deny the fact that we are also consumers, and as consumers, exactly we right. have to make 
make a decision on what we use and what we buy. And as a result, we have our favorites. That's exactly. That's okay. And we try and present things from a consumer's point of view a lot of times. It really plays into sort of our MO. So one of our favorite companies for a long time has been Alienware Computers. Now, we've been lucky enough to have Ray Watkins on the show to talk about Alienware uh, what they do at Alienware, you know, it, it's been it's been incredible over the years. There's a great story, and we're going to get into that great story in another episode, another show. Uh, and I think when Dell took over Alienware, there was some sort of fear among the hardcore gamers. What's going to happen to Alienware? Is, is their product going to become watered down? Well, just the opposite has happened. Since the Dell acquisition, if anything, Alienware has flourished. The machines they're putting out are as incredible as ever. And now, as part of the Dell family, they're able to do even more. So, Mark, I understand... We have a guest that might be able to talk to us about this stuff. Am I right here? I believe so. Uh, Frank Azor is the vice president and general manager of Alienware and Dell XPS, and he's joining us right now. Frank, welcome to your tech report. Thanks for having me, guys. You know, I was joking with Mitchell earlier because obviously you work with our good friend Ray Watkins. That Can we just call you Ray's boss? <laughs> uh, he really, he's kind of more like my boss because he's always telling me what to do. So I don't know if it's fair to say that I'm his boss. But okay, yeah, well, on, on paper, you could say I'm technically his boss. How about we just call you Frank? That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, we're hot, off, we're hot off of CES, which is obvious, you know, not arguably, but it, it is the biggest consumer electronics show. Let, let's sort of segue into what you guys were showing this year at CES, because, uh, and we're going to talk about the diversification of, you know, the XPS line and, and Alienware as well. What were you guys jazzed about to show and share with everyone at CES this year? We had a lot uh, to show off this year. Um, for the last few CESs now, we've really um, focused on uh, launching our new products there and, and making a big presence because we've had a lot to be proud of. Um, two years ago, we launched the brand new XPS 13 at that time, and that's been a product that has won over 300 awards for us um, in the two years since. So at this year's CES, we introduced a two-in-one version of that product. Um, Really, really cool. It's thinner than the current notebook version of it. It's silent as well, so there's no fans in it, which is really cool. If you've ever been in a meeting and you know you open up a file or something and that fan noise ramps up, everyone wants to kind of crawl under the, the table in the room. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to worry about dust getting in there. You don't have to worry about any of those things, which is just really cool. It's like the next kind of uh, evolution of notebook computers here, and we're uh, leading the way with it. It's got a touchscreen. It folds up into a tablet or you can use it as a traditional notebook. So you're getting the best of both worlds. You get a great notebook, one that's won over 300 awards, been deemed the best Windows PC out there in the market, and then you get the tablet functionality that you'd want, something that's really thin, really lightweight. It's got the Infinity Edge screen as well, so it's almost borderless around the LCD screen, so you're not wasting any uh, size or weight on the product. It's very well optimized. And you've got, you've got a ton of battery life on it, too, over 15 hours of battery life. Frank, so that's what we did on, um, on the notebook side. We also launched on the desktop side a really, really cool all-in-one, the XPS 27, which obviously features a 27-inch screen. But what's really cool about this all-in-one is that we use desktop components, so you get all the type of desktop performance that you want from your, your traditional desktop, but you get that in an all-in-one. And then we paired it with a beautiful 4K screen with a 100% sRGB color gamut, so uh, you get literally billions of colors out of this screen. And then we engineered from the ground up the most amazing sound system ever put into an all-in-one product. <laughs> and our goal with this was we really wanted to build the best experience for your senses. So visually, we put an incredible LCD in there. We have 10-finger touch recognition in here as well. So it's very accurate in how it responds to um, how you touch the device. And then we wanted the audio to not be an afterthought like it is in so many consumer electronic products, especially PCs. We wanted to really design the entire all-in-one all around those three elements and not compromise at all on them. And we're really proud of that product as well. You know, this, it's funny that you focus so hard on sound. And I think that probably comes from a little bit of the Alienware DNA where sound is much more important for gamers. Would that be a safe assessment? Yeah, it's funny that you said earlier, you know, like all the concerns people had when Dell acquired Alienware that it was going to take over Alienware. In a lot of ways, Alienware has started to take over Dell in some ways. <laughs> That's um, right. This is one of those ways. You know, we brought the sensitivity around immersion because that's what we had focused on so much at Alienware. Our goal had always been to deliver the most immersive PC gaming experience possible. And as we've uh, kind of integrated throughout Dell and we've 
grown with Dell and as Dell's focused on innovation more than it ever has, largely as a result of Michael's um, investment in taking the company private, as we've doubled down on innovation, we've brought a lot of those lessons learned to Dell. We've met up with some incredible talent that Dell's already had within the organization, put our minds together and said, yeah, you know what? We really got to focus on the things that matter most to customers. You know, you can always go out there and build a thinner notebook, but how do you do it without compromising on the things that matter the most, like the things we see, the things we touch, and the things we hear when we use these products? So that's been the big emphasis for us um, as we've been working on XBS for the past few years is take those lessons learned and deliver a product that is non-compromising. It's all around going to be phenomenal. It may not be the thinnest. It may not be the lightest but it's going to be the absolute best when you look at all things considered. You know, one of the things that I love about these interviews, Frank, is that, you know, we we intend to talk about products, but we also get a glimpse into the DNA of a company. And when you learn about a company like this, both Dell and Alienware, and how, how they work internally and how the design process comes to be, you gain a, a respect for that company that didn't exist necessarily before because, you know, it was just a product. Now you're understanding where it comes from and how it comes to to be. And I want to kind of applaud you on that and then kind of lead into my next question, which was going back to the XPS 2-in-1, this 2-in-1 kind of frenzy that we're in in the past couple of years, um, why do you think that's so important, that whole segment? You know, it's interesting. What's happened is uh, if you kind of rewind about five to eight years ago or so, um, when tablets really started to emerge, we were in a little bit of a different environment. We had... Um, these really small phones and smartphones that were like three and a half inches in screen size. And then we had these big bulky notebooks and there was a lot of interest in something in between, which gave birth to kind of big tablet revolution that occurred. And we saw the tablet devices surge in popularity. And then what happened is notebooks got smaller. Two in one started to emerge as products and smartphones got larger. And what's happened is the smartphone and the notebook and with the emergence of the two-in-one version of the notebook, they've kind of begun to squeeze the tablet out because ultimately we don't want to have to carry more devices than we need to. And it is, it is kind of inconvenient to have to carry three devices. So as the smartphone became more like a tablet and the notebook became more like a tablet, um, the tablet is, has started to become a little bit obsolete. When you look at sales numbers in the industry, that's exactly what it's revealing, is that customers are choosing to go with a two-in-one and or go with a smartphone and then have them, you know, use whatever uh, the use case may require at, at a given time. You know, Frank, we're talking now about, of course, the, the utilitarian aspect of them and how we use these two-in-ones and how we use the XPS computer in general. But I want to talk, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to go back a little bit to design because, our, and that's and that's maybe, I think, another thing that Alienware kind of brought to the table when Dell acquired Alienware and uh, the design for PC gamers for years have been all about the design of the rigs, the looks, the aesthetics of it. And I see now in the XPS line, the look, the design cues, they're really gorgeous. And now it, it, for years, Mac had taken tech, taken the lead in terms of oh, people talking about the design. Now when they're talking about really cutting edge and beautiful design, they're not talking about Macs that much anymore. They're talking about the Dell XPS. What does that mean to you guys from an engineering and design perspective that when people are talking about the aesthetics and the look and the build of a computer that they're talking about Dell. You know, when we started, uh, when we were in, acquired by Dell in 2006, um, Alienware has always had this big focus on design. And we wanted to, way before that even, when we introduced the first Predator Alienware desktop, we, we really felt that these boring and black, uh, boring beige and boring black uh, desktop designs that were just standard cubes out there um, they, they, they weren't very exciting. They weren't conveying a lot of passion. They were just these utilitarian kind of devices that serve a purpose. But we saw a future where people wanted to have something more unique. The way that in which we buy cars for a lot of, uh, or I, I should say, a big factor in our decision-making when it is that we buy cars is around the styling and the look of the car, aside from the utility aspect of it. So we took cues from that. Um, we were also inspired by Apple, I'll tell you. You know, they, they were the, one of the first companies, if not the first, who brought design into computers. Right. And we started thinking, how do we build kind of a, uh, a, a visually appealing device that 
PC gamers would appreciate. Fast forward to 10 years ago, 2006, Dell was kind of going through a very similar type of renaissance where we're very used to building, you know, very basic uh, devices that are great value with good quality, but design was pretty much an afterthought. And around the same time, they recognized that, you know, the market was changing. People wanted these devices to stand out a little bit more. They want to be a little bit more representative of them, their lifestyle, their personality. So they brought on um, some executives to lead the industrial design and design and, and overall design group. So it was, the timing was really good because we came in with this design focus. Dell kind of recognized the opportunity, started investing in their design team. When we married the teams, we suddenly got all these resources that we never had before. Um, you know, we had multiple firms to work with, industrial design firms. We had a bunch of very talented industrial designers within Dell, all of them very excited to work on Alienware because it was just really cool. And then that's really kind of fed into how you've seen the evolution of not just Alienware, but Dell over the last 10 years. If you take a 10-year-old Dell notebook and you look at just about any notebook, even our most boring notebook today is 100 times better looking than um, the best design notebook that we had 10 years ago at Dell. And a lot of that comes from the focus on design. How do we push the limit? How do we start driving trends? How do we start incorporating design in equal balance as we make our product decisions and as we go through the development process with all the other factors that we consider, like size, like weight, like cost, versus it just being an afterthought? So this is a long time coming. It didn't just start like three years ago. Yeah. Like I said, it was over 10 years ago. And then for Alienware, it was well over 15 years ago. We are talking to Frank Azor, Vice President and General Manager of Alienware and Dell XPS. All right, here on your tech report. Frank, there's there's a question that I have, and I don't know if it's an easy one to answer, but it does come to mind, and that is the XPS line, you know, the XPS 13 and 15, they've gotten to the point where they're so beautiful, so portable, and so powerful. How do you decide having, you know, you have your Alienware line, which is ultra-powerful gaming hardware. How do you decide, okay, maybe we shouldn't put this feature into this laptop because we don't want to cannibalize the sales of this laptop. How do, how do we, is that, is that a hard line to ride, having these two brands together? Not at all. Um, we don't make that type of a decision. Um, we, we, at least in my, in the, the way my team and I operate, we don't purposely put features into one product or pull them out of another because we're trying to direct customers down any product line. Right. Our focus is on the customer. What does the customer want in every segment? How much can we possibly give them with every single product in each of those segments? So we try and deliver, put in as much as we possibly can within the laws of physics, of course. You know, there's only right. so much <laughs> you can do inside a 13-inch thin and light notebook. You have more space in a 15-inch, so you can put in discrete graphics and a bigger battery and things like that. But we are all about building the absolute best product for the customer. We, They're going to vote with their dollars regardless. Um, it, for us to try and push them down any path or direction... We're only going to hurt ourselves because we don't operate as a as the only company. We're not a monopoly, right? We have competitors out there. So our primary right. focus is satisfying customers, earning their vote with their dollars. That's first and foremost. If there's cannibalization, if there's cross-consideration between products, as long as they're considering Dell and Alienware, then we <laughs> that's win. Right. So that's, that's how we and, look at you know what, Frank, to prove your point exactly, here I am, you know, we're kind of an Alienware home here. I have the desktop, I rock my, my Alienware laptop as well for gaming, and yet, at the same time, I'm looking at the, this XPS 13 and I'm drooling because I say, okay, you know what, if I want to be portable and I just want to slip something that it can be completely mobile with me, I, and I want to have both. So you're right. I mean, there is there. These are purpose products. They, they have different purposes and different audiences. But for me, the same audience, because I want one of each of these things. Sorry I know it's that. sad. <laughs> I know it's sad. No, this is what you do to me. You take my money, but in a good way. So it's a, it's a perfect illustration of how you're right. It doesn't cannibalize. It just gives people more choices and, you know, how they're going to use the product. And for me, uh, as sad as it is to say, I would honestly use both. And mission accomplished. <laughs> Frank, yeah, you know, I'd, I, we're going to have you back on the show because I know that we have way more to talk about. I mean, I, I would love to just talk about, you know, your roots at Alienware because you are one of the founders of that company in general. But what are your takeaways from CES this year? Like, if you were to give a closing statement and say, okay, this is what we took away, this is what consumers love, this is how we're going to tackle this year, what would you say those would be? 
Well, because I'm really close to it, I'll start with PC gaming. Um, I think it was a phenomenal year for PC gaming and PC gamers. Uh, 2016 and also CES, kind of a culmination of that and giving a glimpse into the future of PC gaming. We saw more companies get into building PC gaming products than we've ever seen in the history of the industry. And that's great because ultimately the increased competition is going to give us better products. It's going to give gamers, and first and foremost, I'm a gamer before everything else, right? It's going to give us all as gamers more choices. It's going to make hardware more accessible to us. It's going to keep pushing the boundaries as to what the developers are going to be able to give us in terms of compelling experiences and content. So we saw a bunch of new notebooks. We saw some really cool concepts. Dell, um, with its Inspiron product line, is getting into gaming now as well, uh, which is really exciting because it's going to allow us to bring even more affordable gaming products to the masses. So I think that's awesome. Really, really cool. The next thing we saw a lot of is a lot of VR innovation. Um, and that's really exciting. At, at Dell and Alienware, we believe that uh, mixed reality, or we call it extended reality, whether it be virtual, uh, mixed, uh, augmented, all types of alternative realities that are out there, they're going to be as disruptive to the way we live our lives as the Internet has been over the last 20 years. Uh, we believe that mixed reality, extended reality, all of those will transform the way in which we entertain, which I think is obvious if anybody has been following VR for the last few years, but it'll also transform the way in which we communicate like the internet has done and the way in which we learn like the internet has done. And at CES, we saw all types of new hardware products. We saw a bunch of new companies push the boundaries on what's possible in head-mounted displays. And then at shows like PAX and GDC, at Oculus Connect, and all those other more content-focused shows that will follow through in 2017, um, we're going to see the, ex the content and the experiences complement those hardware innovations. Uh, and having more increased competition there, that's going to make them more affordable, and they just look absolutely beautiful. Frank, as Mark said, I mean, we have, there's so much, as much as we got to talk about, and we're thrilled you took the time to talk with us, there is so much we didn't get to talk about. We want to get into more detail next time we have you about, as Mark said, your early roots, building the company, where it's going now, all the, of course, all the KB Lake processors are going in all of your machines, and how the industry is doing on the whole. Not bad for an industry that a decade ago they said was dead. PC gaming is dead. Well, as a PC gamer myself, I know you are. I know Mark is. I know Ray is. I think we can all say it's alive and kicking and should be for a long time. So, Frank, please tell me that you're going to come back with us because we have so much more to cover. Absolutely. This has been a lot of fun, guys. I'm happy to come back whenever you want. Uh, we would absolutely love that. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having you back soon. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Mark. Have a good one. Your Tech Report will be right back. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Marco Flalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. And it is relevant this time specifically because of this upcoming interview, Mitchell. Uh, yes. And, you know, I... We get jazzed for all of, our, all of our interviews, but, you know, especially right now, the interview that we have coming up with the gentleman we have coming up on the show, it's no secret that, you know, I'm a pretty big hockey fan, okay? And during the playoffs, I, I try not to curse at you, especially if the Canadians are playing the Rangers. I, I try and show you respect as much as I can. I appreciate but that. Imagine, but imagine something, Mark. Imagine an interview in your mind right now that combines, for me, think, think of yourself inside of my head, that combines hockey with technology. Could you imagine right now that my head is about to explode? Can you I think see it's that? Like, I think it's like the perfect combination you could perfect possibly storm, exist right? for you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. On the line with us is Mike Weaver. Mike, you are uh, recently retired from the NHL. You played for Montreal. You've, you, I mean, your, your career is absolutely storied. Welcome to your tech report. Awesome. Thank you so much. I always like to say, what team didn't I play for? <laughs> it's funny because you know we, we talk to a lot of people especially in the hockey world and when, when people retire from the game there's lots of different options in terms of what they want to do a lot of people go into broadcasting uh some people obviously stay on in, in the league in, in various teams etc cetera, etc cetera. but you got together with a partner rob Tallis from the florida panthers he was a goaltending coach and created a very very cool product that really kind of blended together all these worlds i want you to tell our listeners about it because we're really excited about coach them throughout my whole career everybody's just like what you're into computers like because <laughs> everybody thinks everybody's all about they're all about n not worrying about tomorrow they're all about today and they're all about the like right right now they don't think about the future and that's what's that's what's wrong with athletes in general it's obviously they, they think that if they go ahead and think anything else they're gonna jinx themselves so with me the best thing is 
you know, I don't know if I would have made it if I was six feet tall. So me being five, eight and a quarter, <laughs> uh, you know, I had that little push to go ahead and and prepare for after hockey. I every single contract, every single team I made, every single contract I I uh, signed, it was completely blood, sweat, and tears. I earned it, and it forced me to go ahead and go to Michigan State and get my education just in case. So I got a telecommunication degree, got a minor in virtual reality software development and web design, and it's something that it was fun on the planes, going ahead and and designing websites while everybody else was losing money at the poker table. So you were actually, you were actually getting your degree while playing hockey? No, I, I finished my four years, but I, I was designing websites on the side. Just kind of trying to stay relevant. That, that's absolutely awesome. That is a, that's brilliant. I mean, it's so few. You said it right off the top. You know, so few people actually prepare for the future and know that there's going to be a post career. Right? You you going into the NHL, you know that there's going to be a time and point when you're going to have to retire and move on to something next. So planning for something like that is an incredible, incredible asset. I, I talk to a lot of teams. I'm hired by a lot of teams to go ahead and talk to their kids. And one of the things I'm, I'm just like, who wants to make the NHL? Everybody puts their hand up. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the odds of making it are pretty slim. You know, why can't you? Somebody has to. And then I go into saying, hey, at some point, whether you play one year in the NHL, you play 13 years like myself, you got to go back to education. And you got to fall back on that because, you know, you want to go ahead and, and create your own job because all the people that you've, you went to school with, they're going ahead and moving up the ranks. And all of a sudden now they're, they're basically going to be your boss. Or your manager. So if that's why you gotta gotta go ahead and prepare for after. Well, here's what I love about this, Mike. You really took two of your passions, obviously. You took hockey and you took technology and you managed to parlay that into the next stage. And if years back you started was a defense first hockey school? That was yours, correct? Yeah. And yeah. so obviously coaching was was in your mind or what or tools to help coaches and players. Talk about how that experience sort of blossomed into coach them. Defense first I started because Nobody taught the thinking part of the game, and that's what I do. I have it in Toronto, and I teach the thinking part. There's all these conditioning camps. There's all these edge work camps and stick handling camps, but there's nobody that teaches you how to think. I started my hockey school for the love of teaching youth hockey. I wanted to reach out and out to more people and coaches and associations all over the world. And now with Coach Dam, I'm able to do so. When Rob, like, like when I was doing my hockey school, I'm like, there's got to be a better way. I go ahead and come up with a whole entire um, plan for that week of, of, of uh, my hockey school. So day one, I have this plan. So I, I used to go ahead and take all these pages and, and copy and paste them and go ahead and... and come up with my my plan but then if i wanted to change a drill or move a drill around i would have to rip that uh, drill off the page and go ahead and reprint another one or rewrite it again and it got too tiresome and and i'm just like there's got to be a better way and it's funny then rob Tallis, when i played with florida he comes to me he's just like i'm so frustrated with our program that we use and all the nhl teams use it there's got to be a better way so when he came and talked to me i went ahead and assembled uh, a team, and we, you know, the, three years later, we we have a product that that is come that got released on Monday. It's so funny because in if you look at a, a, all the different major major sports that are out there, um, it's only in the past couple of years that we've seen the introduction of iPads, Surface Pros uh, into on the bench um, or in the batting cage or et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that the NHL or hockey in general is still clinging on to paper and whiteboards is, is fairly archaic given the technology at hand. So can can you explain? exactly what coach them does obviously as you said you know you're you're, you're coaching uh, minor hockey you're, you're coaching kids you want them to obviously be able to practice and do stuff when you're not there so they need a game plan they need something to go go ahead with coach them allows them to yeah, do that correct exactly like well coach them will change the way coaches plan and discover drills for practices um i had coaches coming to the practice um when i was in westmount i lived in montreal for a uh, year before they were coming with uh, drills written on napkins and <laughs> drills printed from the internet and they're like piecing it together five minutes before you go on the ice and it doesn't do your you have your parents on your team that expect that the coaches go ahead and 
and are going to go ahead and run a very well-organized practice. But preparation is the key to creating a challenging skill development practice. So with, with our technology, it's very easy to go ahead and look at a whole bunch of drills that are on our marketplace. Um, we allow it for that, that father that got a weekend course that basically got a, a piece of paper saying, oh, you're a coach now. You know, but that piece of paper doesn't come with all this experience. But with Coach Dem, we're able to go ahead and provide them with a lot of the options for drills. And also for that pro user, that NHL coach or, or uh, coach that, that knows drills, that could go ahead and come up with drills on the spot, we have um, a way of, they're able to go ahead and create their own drill in, in our sketch pad, which we have to re- well, invent a technology to do so. We, we're not, we're complete web-based. Uh, we, we don't, we're not an app. We're not, um, we're not uh, an installable program. We're able to go, go ahead and be on any device, on uh, any browser, on any operating system. See, that, that's brilliant, Mike. And you just touched on something as you were talking about, you know, dads that are coaching their kids. And, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, this has such an application, even the professional ranks. And that's where you went to next. And, you know, it's interesting. You talked about making that transition from uh, player to coach or player to that next stage of your life. And a lot of players, as we touched on, don't make that transition gracefully. They're thinking about the now and not necessarily what's coming next. But in a way, coach them also is a great tool for people that are making the transition, people that are going from playing to coaching. Now they have the ability to, to learn, to learn, teach themselves, teach their players, and also learn the system using this system that you've created. Yeah, it's, it's funny. The, the other day I was, I was creating, I created a practice, two-hour practice in, in seven minutes, and I created a drill at that same time. So it's wow. very, very easy. You could go ahead and use it on your iPad. You could draw with your finger or your Apple Pencil. It's very, very user-friendly. How, how do you see you know, a software like this, how do you see it affecting the game itself? Do you think that uh, people are going to start using this in real time, or, you, or is it really for, for the coaching aspect of things? It's going to even the playing field. Uh, from the uh, beginner coach to the advanced coach, uh, especially in new talkie. For the NHL coaches, they have their drills, they have their way of doing things, and we've uh, got Florida Panthers obviously on board. They love it. We have we have a lot of universities that are that are using this. It's not about okay, I'm going to do this drill, this drill, and this drill. You got to look at your previous game and what are your goals as a coach to go ahead and 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 teach your kids both the the skills part but the structure part of your team. So the drills that you use at the beginning of the year are not necessarily the drills you're going to be using at the end of the year. So it's, there is, um, it's that perfect plan that every single time you want to come up with. And with Coach Dem, you have so many options to go ahead and choose between several different drills to go ahead and come up, up, up with that plan. Well, Mike, I love the flexibility of this and the fact that you can scale this to the to your specific needs and to your specific team. And what I love about this personally, as both, you know, I played when I was younger and a big fan now, the thing that drives me crazy when I watch a hockey game is you'll have a new coach come in and that new coach basically wants to impose his system on the team, regardless of the players, regardless of the personnel, this is my system. And sometimes the system doesn't necessarily match the players and the players don't necessarily match the system. So having something that's flexible, that's scalable, to your kids, to your team, is really an important part of this whole thing. Well, I think, especially with youth hockey, you got to go ahead and start with what is what is your team like? What is the makeup of your team? Are you guys a fast-paced team? Are you guys are, are you guys is your strength? Are, are are you guys into speed? Are you guys into uh, concentrate on defense? Are you guys mainly running running gun? So you got to go ahead and look at your whole entire team as right. a whole and work work back from that. So one disclosure I'm going to say, though, is you got to make sure that your parents know at practice that you're using Coach Them, because if not, they're going to think that you're checking your text messages. <laughs> <laughs> or sending emojis or talking. Or, or, or updating Facebook, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mike, this is really exciting. Coach Them, I mean, whether you're, like you said, you're a parent coaching kids, whether you're a professional coach, as a player looking to enhance your skill set, Coach Them has so many apps. We haven't even got into the fact that it has applications even beyond hockey. I know we're focused on hockey right now, but... Our goal is to go ahead and get it in front of 
the NHL, every NHL team, uh, but also we want to go ahead and, and um, t- uh, talk to associations. That we think that the best thing about our software that the, the scalability to go ahead and share it uh, amongst your association, have your association be able to have their their favorite drills and put on there to allow their coaches to go ahead and have access both to our marketplace, but the the director of hockey's drills. The director of hockey is hired for every association to direct direct hockey. He's in charge of organizing the the teams to go ahead and put the coaches with the teams, but also he's in charge of of how these uh, coaches um, instruct and how these coaches go ahead and teach uh, their their kids. And allowing the association to have some control and and allow the association to help out some of the coaches and and, and go ahead and create plans for these coaches. That that's what that's what it's all about. Well, and you definitely, yeah, you're definitely kicking off with the right foot, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. We we hope to have you on again to talk about the next generation of this, especially as this hockey season wraps up and we see how this grows uh, among the community. I think it's an incredible tool, way more than just a drill book, as you said. Um, CoachThem.com is the address for it. Um, you, free trials available. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to to talking to you down the road. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Okay, the waiting is over. We have another very cool giveaway, probably the biggest giveaway we've ever done on this show. Follow along with us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report. Check out Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report and stick around because we're going to announce that giveaway in just a moment right here. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flallo, as always, joined by Mitchell Woodfield. Please follow us on Twitter. Very important because we're about to announce our giveaway. Uh, it is <laughs> at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. Our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report online. Now, I, I guess we're going to give this away pretty early. Uh, it's it's no secret, Mark. We've been we've been drone lovers for, for quite some time. Uh, we love to fly them. We love to talk about them, and it's become a segment that's uh, that is really caught on, and not just a niche product anymore. People love their drones, and one of our favorite products of the past year came from a company called Autel Robotics, and we called their X-Star Premium Drone, when we tried it, the best bang-for-the-buck drone on the market. And I think, Mark, that still holds up today. I mean, to me, I mean, if you look at everything that drone has, does, its flight, uh, what it comes with in the box, the value you get, I mean, to me, nothing can touch the X-Star Premium in the, in the drone world. So we're bringing back to join us, and I'm kind of cool that we can still get her, because she's kind of become the face of Autel Robotics, kind of become a little bit of an internet star here. She's the director of communications, Natalie Chang. Natalie, I mean, it's kind of cool because every every time I look at a YouTube video, the tutorials that you guys have online, it's all you. You have become the <laughs> face of this company and of this drone. How does it feel? Oh, I think that's maybe a little bit of a stretch. Um, <laughs> but I do, of course, enjoy um, speaking with the media and kind of definitely, especially helping our customers out uh, in the support videos. It's something that we uh, take a lot, we emphasize a lot here at Autel Robotics is making sure that our customers are taken care of, and uh, I'm happy to play my part in, in that with our support videos. Well, let me tell you something. Having spent the majority of my adult life in front of a camera, I have to tell you, you are incredibly comfortable in front of the camera. You explain the stuff really well. I started watching. I mean, I've flown the drone. I know everything it does. I know how it works. I know how great it is. I still watched you online. I was like, wow, she's pretty good. She's really comfortable. She's very informative. So, yes, if you, if you ever decide a, a career in front of the camera, I think, you, I think you've got something going there. I think you're in good shape. Oh, thank you. That's very flattering. I do have um, a really great team we all work together to put those together. So, Mitchell, and, you know, obviously uh, this giveaway is probably going to be, well, it's actually, it's one of our biggest giveaways in terms of Absolutely. in terms of value, in terms of what people get, and I think this is going to be the most popular that we ever do. So, Mitchell, let's tell, let's tell people what they can win. Uh, well, you know, uh, the folks, uh, Natalie in particular, the folks at Autel Robotics were kind enough to send us the X-Star Premium in that brilliant orange color that we love. Uh, we are going to be giving one away to one of our lucky listeners and or YouTube subscribers or Twitter followers or Facebook. Yeah, I mean, we have multiple ways. And, and, and Natalie, we're going to, of course, we're going to put the, you know, in the description of the YouTube video and when, when we tweet everything out, we're going to give all the rules and how people can enter to win. But more than anything, we wanted to thank you guys for giving us this drone. And once again, 
This is not the review unit because, as Natalie will tell you, I was not very uh, I was not very happy about giving up this unit. So <laughs> they sent us a brand new one that we were giving away. So Natalie, thanks to you and your team for actually giving us the, the drone to give away to one of our lucky followers or listeners. Of course, we are so glad that you guys enjoyed it and that you guys um, did such a deep dive and have clearly really connected with the product. And uh, we love to see that. And we love to, you know, help you out and help your listeners out if they're interested in the product as well. Oh, my God. I mean, we, we got a great response. And I think calling it the best bang for the buck drone, uh, really, I mean, uh, to me, that summarizes the product. But here, when we had you on in 2016, which is only, uh, the, the year is only weeks ago, but we had you on several months ago, we talked about the XStar Premium and the XStar platform in general. And, and you were pretty, you, were, you really told us this is not designed to be a one-off product. The XStar was not designed to be a one-off product. It was designed to be a platform that could evolve. And you guys at CES this year, talked about the evolution of XStar with the new modular add-ons. Talk a little bit about what you guys announced at CES this past year. Yeah, so CES this year was super exciting for us because, like you mentioned, in some of the interviews that we've done in the past, I was only able to really tease to, and the product itself was kind of only able to tease to what we had planned for the XStar Premium platform um, because that camera and gimbal module is quick release. It comes right off, and at the time we were saying, you know, that's Really great for a few reasons, uh, particularly for service and support. I already mentioned how much we care about that. And so, you know, if the camera breaks or some, there's an issue there, you can just swap it right out for a new one. But it also gives us the opportunity to create long-term value for our customers um, because we get to then develop different sensors, upgrade the camera, um, change the type of camera that we put on that drone. So what we announced at CES, among other things, um, was actually two new camera modules for the XStar drones. Um, the first one is the FLIR Duo uh, module for the XStar Premium, which uh, the FLIR Duo is a really cool camera. It's kind of an action camera size. It records both thermal and visual data, and you can switch between the two. You can get a thermal image. You can get the visual, um, the visual reading. And the coolest part is you can also get a blended image. So if you're just looking at thermal data, sometimes it uh, can be a little difficult to decipher, um, might not be as detailed. But with both of those kind of overlaid on each other, um, you get a lot more insight for, you know, whatever you might be doing, be it inspections, um, you know, maybe some search and rescue missions. Uh, We've seen a lot of interest in it from especially smaller scale uh, public safety organizations. Uh, so that's our first announcement. And then the other camera module we've announced is the one-inch sensor. So that is going to be an upgraded camera from our uh, current XR Premium camera. The one-inch sensor allows you to get better results in low light, a much higher resolution from 12 megapixel stills to now 20 megapixel stills, um, and that really nice cinematic feel to your footage and uh, photos. It is still a 4K camera. You know, Natalie, that's really smart that you guys are doing that, that you know, that you guys are encouraging and rewarding uh, taking the test, because in a lot of ways, this is still a new frontier. I mean, I've been flying, you know, quads for a long time, but for the average consumer taking on, taking on you know, drones and this new responsibility, it is still a, and it's a new technology to a lot of people, and it is in public airspace, so the fact that you guys are not only, you know, supporting it and encouraging it, but also helping on the financial side with the, with the knowledge is wonderful. You know, I know, we don't, I know we're running out of time, but there's one thing I I wanted to tell you guys, and I'm really, and this is kudos to the entire design team of the XStar platform, which is, you'll see a lot of drones now, and you mentioned it already, a lot of drones now have a unibody design, and a lot of you know, I know there are other companies who have gone to this unibody design, it's sleek, it's pretty, but the fact is, it's not upgradable. Once you have that gimbal, once you have that camera on these new drones that are coming out from other companies, you can't do anything with them. But it really sort of says that you guys did the right thing by sticking with that modular design because in the end, it benefits the consumer in terms of the advances that we're going to see over the following months and years. Definitely. That's always our our priority is to provide the best value to our customers, whether it's through our customer support, whether it's through, you know, the promotions like you pass, we pay, and literally investing in those customers, um, or, you know, the modular design of our drone, allowing people to upgrade without having to buy a whole new platform. 
Thank you. Uh, well, you, yeah, I'm, so, no, 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 I'm just, just going to no, just going to say the same thing, which is, well, thank you not only for coming on, but for also supplying one of our lucky listeners and/or followers and/or subscribers with the X Star Premium. We're going to be running this starting, well, starting today. If you're listening to it live on our first airing, Natalie, we know you guys are going to have a lot of stuff to show us in the coming months and in the in the, in the coming years because you have shown that Autel is in this for the long term, and we can't wait to have you on again to hear what you guys have up your sleeves next year. Thank you. Much appreciated. And, you know, I actually do also have to plug really fast. We did also announce our um, SDK. So if any of the listeners out there are developers interested in drones, please check that out as well. Um, Again, we're just trying to open out the community to help kind of innovate uh, in the future as well. So I appreciate you having us on and doing this giveaway. We really hope the lucky winner loves the X-Star as much as you do and as much as I do. (laughs) Oh, they will. They will absolutely love it. Uh, check out our social media. Check out their social media, and you can see how you can enter now. We're going to keep this. Uh, it's it's a big giveaway, so we're going to be. Uh, we're going to keep it on a little bit longer than a normal ten days. We're going to go uh, a little bit longer. We're not going to tell people how long. Uh, <laughs> we'll have a surprise. So do get in on this giveaway. This is really, Mitchell, this is probably the biggest giveaway we've done so far in the show. And it's going to be the biggest giveaway we do for a while. Because we're going to keep this going for a while. So on Twitter, it is at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. Our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report online. This This is such a cool drone. I have not flown it. I know you've flown it. I want that orange color. I want it now. <laughs> I mean, it seems but like I can't no, enter. No, you, you can't enter to win, Mark. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure I can get you a deal if I wanted to. Uh, now, the, the great thing that orange color that you touched upon, people thought, oh, it's so flashy, it's so cool. But listen, when you're flying something in the sky, and if you have a white drone, which most of ours, you know, most drones are, occasionally you have the black drone, it doesn't pop out in the sky against the backdrop of the clouds. That well, no, it that orange drone, you cannot miss it. If you're like me, and if you like to fly line of sight, you need that orange color, man. Again, so check it out uh, on Twitter. It is. At your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report, and YouTube.com slash your tech report online. On behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, thank you to all our guests. I am Marco Flalo. Check us out next week right here, your tech report. You've been tuned in to your tech report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow your tech report online. Email us contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at your tech report. Like us on facebook.com slash your tech report. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.